amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? One of my favorite hymns from when my time in uh, the Methodist Church. Uh, that was the first time I was introduced to that song. And now lately, I've been hearing it all over the place by a non-denominational, uh, my, the Presbyterian Church I attend. Uh, I've even heard Mormons and Catholics uh, have their choirs sing it and whatnot. Uh, or Papists, not Catholics, Papists. We're all Catholic. Uh, not Mormons. But, I mean, Papists and Protestants. Anyways. Um, I love the song. Because, uh, it, it, one, it, it triggers, uh, some people's in one sense, understandably, and another sense, gloriously. Uh, so the understandable is, is obviously the divine Godhead did not die. Uh, God, <laughs> God is life itself. And so you know, how can life itself, or life himself, die? Uh, the point being there is that the Lord Jesus most certainly died. Uh, no swoon theory here. No passing out on the cross here. No uh, uh, miscalling of death here. There is unmistakable stance by Charles Wesley that the Lord Jesus died. Also, there is an undeniable declaration that the Lord Jesus was and is God and will always be God. So, we, he's making both of those points. Hold on. I'm obviously riding my bike to work on this beautiful 25 degree uh, morning. So, you guys can enjoy the ride while you're, I understand that you guys are more than likely on your way to work. And I'm just happy that you're willing to uh, listen to me on the radio, listen to me in your earphones uh, as you pass the time along. You could be listening to anything or anybody, but you had the kindness to hit this, um, hit the play button for me, and here I am. So, I wanted to... Uh, there were a few things I wanted to talk about 
and we'll see if we can get to them. One is uh, the importance of uh, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and the uh, Chalcedonian de definition of faith, as well as many of the other um, confessions and catechisms that have influenced uh, Christian history, Christian society. Uh, also, I want to uh, try to get to a uh, a argument for theocracy and kind of continue this conversation as well. Uh, theocracy uh, proper in one sense. Uh, and want to uh, deal with some uh, interesting things going on in our uh, republic here in the U.S. Uh, despite what uh, those who seek democracy would say uh, republicanism is much better than democracy and hopefully we get to that so listed again uh, confessions, catechisms, creeds and definitions uh, theocracy and Republicanism versus pure democracy. So, uh, there is often, or not often, but it's peddled around uh, in church circles, Christian circles, church circles, uh, reformed church circles, especially that uh, songs like uh, Amazing Love uh, create somewhat of a problem because it's an explicit statement that God died. And when we're dealing with unbelievers, is it appropriate to say that uh, God died? Wouldn't it be more appropriate that we say Christ died? And so you say, amazing love, how can it be that thou, my Christ, hath died for me? Well, uh, no. Because there are, and here's my argument why, here's my story, I'll give you uh, my personal reason, my uh, understanding of church history reason, and my understanding of just uh, musically and artistically why and basically pragmatically is um, why that wouldn't be appropriate so personal reason um, plenty of things are Christ so this would be more biblically my own but it's a personal biblical notice 
that I, I know other people have noticed, but this is the reason why personally I, I'm not for it. Uh, plenty of things are Christ. Uh, David refused to kill Saul because uh, Saul, the king of Israel, was the Christ of the Lord, uh, the, the anointed one of the Lord, anointed by the Lord. He recognized that, so he refused to kill him, uh, though he prayed that God would kill him or that, you know, that Saul would die in combat or what have you. On top of that, uh, David was a Christ in that God anointed him. Uh, so he was a Christ. Uh, there were plenty of anointed things in the Old Testament. Uh, so just to say Christ is uh, not enough. Uh, that's why we we should say Jesus. Well, it's okay to say Jesus Christ, though it would be more appropriate if we want to start getting appropriateness. We should say Jesus the Christ. Well, why is that? Uh, because Jesus is the Christ, by which without Him, christening or Christing or anointing would have no effect. Uh, he, it's it's similar to uh, Paul's, I believe it was Paul, saying that uh, God the Father is the source of all fatherships or families. He, the fact that God is a father means that he is, also means, there's other reasons why, but without God being a father, fathership would be of no effect. Uh, without, you know, fathers are a great blessing, and that blessing flows from the Lord. Come thou fount of every blessing. Right, so uh, one of those blessings that flows from the Godhead is further from that fount, is fathership. Uh, Christship, which is another blessing, uh, flows from Christ. And uh, to get a little more into the weeds, uh, the Holy Spirit is that, is that anointing, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Father anoints with the Holy Spirit. Uh, people are filled with the Holy Spirit. People are anointed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is that anointing. Which is why many people, and I'm young and have a hard time saying this because of my cockiness and arrogance, but many of the old timers, and at least those who are, and I define an old timer as anybody who's older than me, which is like 75% of the population of America, because <laughs> I'm 26, uh, you know, those Christians who uh, do something good, you know, they help their neighbor, they move something, what have you, they will appropriately 
and amazingly say, um, it wasn't me, but it was God. God, God used me to help you. Uh, so don't thank me, thank God. Okay, that's, that's well enough. And all well and good. Uh, and I think it's appropriate. But so they recognize uh, anything good that comes from me is actually from God. Uh, uh, it's not me, but Christ lives within me, as Paul says. He recognized that all the goodness that comes from him <clears throat> comes out of him. It's coming because of his, is because uh, it's the Holy Spirit working within him. It's uh, Christ who lives within me. And so uh, that's why I say, you know, just because you say uh, that thou my God should die for me, or uh, what some people try to push, and I pushed once upon a time, was that thou my Christ should die for me. Uh, you, you replace one problem with another. And uh, so the question becomes, pick your problem, pick your poison. Uh, which, which do you want to defend? Uh, the, uh, the which Christ are you talking about? Because plenty of Christ died, anointed bulls and stuff died. What difference does that make, right? Uh, we know that from Scripture that uh, anointed bulls and beasts uh, don't do a thing without the Lord's grace and favor. So, what's the point of bringing that up? So. But what, you know, when you say that thou my God should die for me, you are explicitly talking about the God-man, is what you're referring to there. Uh, and so, uh, and this is something that was debated. In fact, this very issue was brought up in the uh, Chalcedonian definition of faith. Because if I remember correctly, there was a debate on this issue as far as when the whole Chalcedonian Confession of Faith was um, based on, if I, again, remember correctly, uh, did Mother Mary, was she the mother of God or was she the mother of Christ? Uh... It would not be wrong to say that mother was the Mar or that Mary was the mother of uh, Christ, but the argument would be well, uh, plenty of people were the mothers of Christ, right? Uh, Bathsheba was the mother of Solomon, who was a Christ. Uh, there's plenty of mommy goats, mommy bulls that. Uh, are mothers of Christ. And so the reason why we want to say Theotokos, or the mother of Christ, or the mother of God, is because you are distinguishing between Christ, who is God, and these other Christs, who are simple creatures. 
And so there goes the, Cal the Chalcedonian Creed. They worked out to where how do we, how can we, in keeping with the Council of Nicaea, in keeping with the Apostles' Creed, and being consistent with sacred scripture, uh, how do we define uh, the Mary, the mother of God? And so, their main argument would be to say simply, or, um, to say that Mary was the mother of Christ and not of God, is to say that uh, you would be dividing uh, the natures. And so they recognize that Christ had a hypostatic union. Uh, that there were two natures, there were two natures in the Godhead, or not two natures, in, in the uh, man Christ Jesus, or in the person Christ Jesus. Uh, he was truly God. Everything that means manness could be said of Christ, and in fact was said of Christ um, in Scripture. And anything that can be said of God uh, can and also is said of Christ. So, that'd be an interesting uh, scenario of reading or highlighting or underscoring uh, every passage that makes reference to the nature of God and the nature of man and then put them or show does does Christ uh, fulfill those I would say yes and so should you uh, I haven't done it yet but for my memory's sake uh, you know the scriptures say that you know, the Lord does not slumber nor sleeps. And then there's Jesus sleeping in the boat. Uh, uh, it says, uh, if unless the Lord builds the house in vain, the builders strive. Unless the Lord watches, the watchman watch in vain uh, and then Christ says without me you can do nothing without my father you can do nothing the Holy Spirit will give you the ability to do things uh, all all of these things pointing out the Trinity uh, that there are things in the Holy Scripture Make it to where it's undeniable that the Son is God and that the Holy Spirit is God. Now, somebody say, uh, does it explicitly say that they are? And then they'll point to things, you know, Jesus says, I and the Father are one, but then right in that same passage it says, the Father is greater than I. So, what's going on there? And say, well, duh, if we're 
hypostatic unioning eyes, the, the people of, or the uh, natures of Christ, and, you know, no issue here. It's only those who deny the hypostatic union that are going to run into a problem. Or five. So creepy. Uh, so when I'm when I'm riding my bike, the reason why I said so creepy, uh, riding my bike, and so I ride a part of my trip through the woods, and so uh, you you can imagine the eyes that glow. Uh, in the from the light so I have a headlamp on keep myself safe uh, any obstacles are in the way or whatnot and let people know that I'm here type of thing and oftentimes you you catch the little critters the little vermin or not uh, staring right at you That's beautiful. Uh, looking up at this. So I live somewhat in the uh, country. Excerpts of town. I'm not in the suburbs. I'm in the excerpts in Flat Rock. Then I head to farmland to get to work. Uh, and... Uh, so there's plenty of light. Right now, I can see Venus and Mars. I think it's Mars. It's definitely Venus. Uh, but I think it's Mars or Jupiter that I can see right now. And then obviously the stars in the sky. But if you ever look outside um, towards the rising sun, uh, between... Or right, right before dawn. So you got to wake up pretty early. Right? You got whenever dawn is approaching, uh, you can see, or at dusk when the sun's finally set, uh, you can you can see planets. And, and so I'm always fascinated by you know, where are they today? Because that was the fascination. You know, a, a couple millennia ago with the planets to begin with. Was because that's what a planet is a wandering star, right? It means a wanderer. So I'm fascinated by the planets because uh, they are stars that refuse to follow fate. Anyways, segue. And one more segue. Uh, in, in Greek mythology, it's believed that all the gods have to follow fate, <laughs> just like mankind. Uh, and there's no way around fate. You have to follow fate, uh, except for one, and that's Jupiter, or Zeus. Zeus is the only one who is able to uh, go against fate, 
there was, you know, pro- prophecy that his, chi- you know, his children would rise up against, or that his wife's kids would revolt against him, like him and his uh, siblings rose up against his father, and his, you know, his father rose up against his father. And a quick story on that. Uh, you would you would see Cronos uh, or Zeus's father killing killing his father and taking over the universe and uh, with his titans and whatnot. And then the Titanic uh, gods are running the running the place. And then Kronos uh, gets gets married, and uh, is prophesied. Or not, I don't know if it was prophesied, but uh, the assumption is, you know, just like how I revolt against my dad, my kids are gonna revolt against me. So he eats all the kids, and then the uh, and his wife. Uh, tricks Kronos into eating a stone instead of Zeus. Uh, she sends him, sends Zeus away, uh, or hides Zeus away till he can grow up and uh, you know fulfill the obligation of taking over the roost, which he does, and then Zeus gets married, and the prophecy said that his kids from his wife will take over from him, kill him, but he did something uh, all the more clever. He, uh, he kills, he doesn't kill, but he eats his wife. Uh, his preg- you know, his pregnant wife, I believe, and uh, the my thing was that then his daughter. Well, that one that uh, takes away the possibility of uh, the prophecy fulfilling. Takes away fate. Uh, none of his kids try to kill him. Uh, because he cleverly uh, swallows his uh, wife. Uh, not to say uh, his 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 wife in his belly uh, does give birth, and then uh, you know now the baby's inside of him, and it says that he gave birth to Athena. Uh, out of his head, out of the out of the mind of Zeus, out of the head of Zeus, uh, wisdom sprang. And I think the story is that uh, uh, Vulcan, the the Greek mythological blacksmith person, uh, struck struck uh, Zeus on the head. And then there sprang uh, there there sprang Athena, and also 
their spring a splitting headache from Zeus. And so, but she never revolted, never tried to kill him, so they got that going for us. So, uh, you've, you've got, the, the reason why I bring that up in one sense, and part of it was me just bunny trailing, but it fits because Greek thought was that wisdom came from the mind of God. And scripture, in one sense, echoes that, or it seems that uh, Greek mythology is echoing scripture. In Proverbs, it says that wisdom was with the, the Lord uh, during creation. It was uh, one of the greatest creations. Uh, John 1 1 says the Logos was with God and was God. And whatnot. Uh, no, there's, but there's all kinds of scripture that if a Greek philosopher was to read, it would be easy to put their Greek philosophical twist on things, or Greek mythological twist on things. <laughs> uh another bunny trail-ish, but not really. Uh, King Solomon, in his reign, had a lot of uh, civil leaders come visit him to seek his wisdom, seek his philosophy. Uh, one of the most noted is his uh, meeting with the Queen of Sheba, uh, modern-day Yemen area, and she she's marveling at all of his wives and whatnot, and how uh, pleased they are to be his uh, wife and harem and whatnot. And so, I take that to mean that uh, Solomon was hundreds, like hundreds and, you know, hundreds of years uh, before our uh, Greek philosophers. Uh, I think it's two or three hundred years before the invasion of uh, Troy. And So you, you're dealing with, and I, so I would say that much of these myths, much of these stories, much of the philosophy is uh, the passing down of Solomon's Proverbs and distortions of them. So you have the book of Proverbs that makes reference to wisdom uh, coming from God, the fear of the Lord, it's the being of the wisdom. Uh, it is something that flows from God, it comes from God, is one of God's greatest creations is wisdom. And uh, from wis 
by wisdom, God created everything. And so you corrupt that and you get the mythologies. Now, obviously, I'm uh, Christianizing history and there's no way to tell. It, it simply could be a common grace where we take advantage of what the Jews took advantage of by simply God telling it to them. You've got hundred years, hundreds of years later, you have the Greeks figuring it out. Though I would like to think that uh, just like how the Septuagint was translated into Greek, uh, because uh, the Pharaoh demanded to have uh, God's word translated um, into his language so that he could read it, which was Greek. Uh, and we have a passage that shows that uh, leaders all around the world came to get counsel from King Solomon. Uh, it's not much of a stretch to think that the Septuagint situation happened more times than once. Uh, it wasn't a blue moon thing. Uh, you you got a people that declared that we have a book written by God. Uh, people are going to check into that. Uh, world leaders will pay a lot of money to hear from the gods. Uh, and certainly if you're declaring that there's only one God. And so, you know, there you go. Got that going for you. Uh, and so, why, why is this important? Well, Christ, the, the premise of Christ only being, or the Lord Jesus Christ only being called the Christ, or in relation to Mary, uh, had, there was political gain for saying that Jesus was only the Christ and not God. It was a, it would have behooved the Roman Empire to say that Jesus was only a man, or only God in a man suit, or an ascended being, or it would behoove them to do that, because one, makes it easier to spread it. Uh, there, there is a lot of benefits to the Roman Empire to deny that the Lord Jesus was truly God and truly man. Or truly, yeah, truly God and truly man. And so, this moves us to uh, the or theocracy. Uh, so Christian theocracy, as far as I'm aware, or the kind of theocracy that I press upon, is attached to uh, the Great Commission that says, go out into the nations and baptize them, teaching them to observe 
all that I have commanded. So, what did Jesus command? What did the Lord Jesus command? Well, Paul argues that Christ was at Sinai. Uh, so, at the very least, uh, you would have to say that from the creation of the law to the great or to Revelation, so Exodus to Revelation, I would argue from Eden to heaven, uh, the from the earthly Eden where the Lord God communes with uh, Adam and Eve, uh, to uh, the heavenly Jerusalem, or to the the new heavens and the new earth, where the Lamb uh, shines forth on everything. Uh, every, so, what, what did Jesus command? Well, look at the whole scripture and read what the Lord God commanded. What did Yahweh command? And you go all the way through, and that's what he commanded. So teach them to observe it. So, theocracy, Christian theocracy, the theocracy that I'm pressing upon, is one by which governments observe and keep holy the the whole of Scripture <laughs> and apply it to the civil governance of the people. Now, now there's going to be pushback to this, right? So there'll be pushback in the sense of, but, so you're saying we should burn witches? And I would say, as far as I remember, no. Uh, you are to stone witches. And that's where everybody rolls their eyes and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and they say, does that mean uh, there is a capital punishment to idolatry? So do we uh, kill those who are committing heresy and idolatry in that sense? It's like, well, uh, you are to, well, you aren't to do anything. The civil magistrate, on the other hand, so here, here's where I look at it. Uh, is it wrong to give the death penalty to anything? Is it ever good and righteous and just to condemn somebody to death? Is it? Is there ever a moment, is there, is, is there an act that's heinous enough to where you would say, yes, this person, uh, the, the, they shouldn't be let off, they shouldn't be in prison for life, they shouldn't be given a lesser sentence than uh, hanging or stoning or gun, you know, uh, 
gun squad or electric chair or whatever, uh, that this person uh, deserves to die and deserves to die by the hands of uh, the government. Uh, if you say no, then okay, fine. Then I'm not talking to you, right? Because uh, you don't believe in the death penalty at all. So this conversation on whether or not you should impose the death penalty on idolatry is not a conversation between on uh, whether we should have the death penalty, but which laws should uh, be warranting the death penalty. Now, repeat that again. The conversation on whether or not you should condemn idolatry to death is not a question of uh, whether you should uh, is not a conversation done by uh, those who don't believe in death penalty whatsoever. So I'm not going to debate with Pope Francis if you would you know, debate me uh, about whether or not uh, idolaters should get the death penalty because he condemns death penalty and even life sentences at all. He doesn't believe in any of it. So, and he uh, speaks out against any death penalty whatsoever at all. So, I'm not going to talk to somebody like that. Now, this, this is a conversation for uh, this is a conversation for those who do believe and the death penalty, and so then you know that discussion can be had. Uh, if if you do believe in the death penalty for any reason, I would say by what standard do you believe in the death penalty, and why isn't it God's standard? And if you are seeking to be uh, loose where God is strict, and strict where God is loose, then I would suggest you repent not God's word. And so, move on from that. Uh, and I move on from the death penalty thing, but there are plenty, there, there are things in this world, or in our legal code, that are far stricter than they probably should be. And then there are some things that are far laxer than they probably should be. So, uh, so there are there many, most of the laws, many of the laws are uh, not legal laws in the sense that uh, you don't bring the elders of the city or the magistrate together to decide what to do with this person. Uh, the vast majority of the law of God uh, lists out what are to be considered as uh, sins uh, that need to be repented of, and not crimes that deserve punishment. Not crimes or sins also, and you should. And while you're awaiting 
trial and you're waiting to be stoned or whatever, uh, you can, the Old Testament saints, you committed a crime that deserved death or uh, the payment of a bounty or what have you. Uh, you, you could still seek to get the sacrifice from the priest, from the high priest or what have you. So uh, that's, that's not the issue. Uh, this, the difference between sins and crimes. Uh, America has a tendency of punishing sins as crimes when they're not crimes and or swing the other way and demanding that things that are crimes should not even be regarded as sins. Oh man. So I didn't have time to get into the Republican versus uh, Democrat thing, and that's fine. Uh, I just want to say God bless you guys. I'll talk about the uh, debate between Republicans and Democrats uh, at a later date. Uh, take care, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. I've got military duty, so <clears throat> I will be, of course, enjoying my time and doing military things. Uh, pray for our leaders as they're uh, wrestling through the shutdown. Uh, take care. And uh, as always, drink your coffee, drive safe, and uh, come to Jesus. <laughs>